episode two of season three of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, an inquiry into questions. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. And we're going to be talking about leadership in organizations. Leadership in organization happens at all levels and takes many forms. Think more about leadership and questions and, and how questions play a role in leadership. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a lot of folks say that when, when you move into leadership in a more uh, complex system, complex worlds, that leadership really comes more from the nature of the questions you ask yeah. rather than the statements that you make. Yes. Or or that the it's it's more valuable to know how to go into deep inquiry and really learn about and underst- and seek to understand situations than to already know. Because yes. any sort of already knowing that you think you have is probably up for grabs when you're in the VUCA world that we've been talking about, the volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And um, so I thought it would be fun today to talk more about questions. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that you and I both have a number of um, things that we go to right, when we're talking right, right. about questions. So, so one of the things that I think is really useful... Uh, to go to is the set of questions that um, the people uh, from uh, human systems dynamics have developed Mm -hmm. that are used to help discern patterns. Yes. Um, The kinds of questions that after you've made a series of observations you're looking for a lens to help you make meaning of those observations. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, let's see, what yeah, were and, they? Well, and they're available on the wiki.hsdinstitute.org. Uh-huh. So right, people can right. reference there and look more about them. But I've been using them a lot, actually, in uh, retrospectives and in some other work that, that I've been doing with managers and leaders. Mm-hmm. And the questions are, and I, I think I, if I can remember all of them off the top of my head, I may miss one, um, that looking at a set of data, you then ask the question, well, in general, I notice this about that set of data. Right. So... Um, in general, as I look at um, the interactions on this team, I notice that people are sitting close to each other a lot mm-hmm. or sitting far from each other a lot. That sort so of thing. So when you ask that question, yeah. you're looking for the threads yeah. that show up over and yeah. over and right. over. Right. So that's the in, in general. general I notice. Right. The next one is in general I notice. So, in general, I notice people sit close together on this team, except there's one team member who's over here. Right. So, what pattern, you know, do am I looking for there? So, there's the in general, mm-hmm. this, except that. Right. And that, you know, that could lead you to seeing a pattern of scapegoating. That could lead you to a pattern of this team isn't integrating new members well. Any number of things could be going on there. Right. 
So in general, accept. Um, another another quest, pattern spotter, we call them pattern spotter question. Um, on the one hand, this is happening. On the other hand, that is happening. So those are, that's looking for contrasts. Looking for contrasts, yeah. Um, on the one hand, this team has set up a whole open workspace and they're doing this. The team next door, on the other hand, is doing these other things. Right. So we could look for, what does that tell us about what's right. going on? Um, and then there's one just, um, I was surprised by. So, so looking at, at the unexpected. Um, uh, I was surprised to see that um, this team sits close to each other all day, but nobody's communicating with each other. Right. You know, I don't hear any interaction. That would be surprising. Right. Um, and then another question, the last one that I remember off the top of my head is, I wonder. Um, I wonder if this is going on, or I wonder if people are um, feeling constrained in some way. Or, and, yeah. and how do we, how do we, um, I, I think we need a way to help listeners understand that the I wonder isn't probably um, open to any question in the universe. Right. It's, it's focused not, on the system that you're studying. Yeah, yeah. and it, it comes out of maybe prior experience that we have, yeah. um, intuition, where maybe somebody said something and we think, Hmm, I wonder why somebody would mention right. that. Right. So it's or, a, I wonder why they said that and nobody else on the team reacted. Uh-huh. You know, so and yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's it's not just, you know, I wonder why, you know, they're not eating green eggs and ham. I right. mean, it, it, it it's not not completely open-ended, but it's it's using our 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 right. um common sense mm -hmm. about what we might suspect in a situation mm -hmm. like this what our hunches are, um, what little bits of information we've seen that don't yeah. maybe seem related to anything else, but they're just sort of, yeah. huh, I've noticed X, Y, Z. I wonder yeah. what that... Right. So that that they they actually are not as random yes. as it might appear if you just said, well... You can use I wonder questions. Yeah. Because I, I can see how people listen to that. I wonder why that. the sky is blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would right. say, yeah. hello. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, and a lot of the human systems dynamics work is based on various kinds of inquiry. A lot of the models have right. questions embedded in them, um, even same and different. You know, what's the same and different in this situation? And which of these differences make a difference? Those are all questions. Right. Right. Um, so there's a lot of that in that on that wiki page that has has those models, um, and that is those are all questions that help us to delve deeper into our understanding of complex systems, complex human systems in particular, and give us some ideas for knowing what steps should we take. I mean, the adaptive action we talked about before is actually based on three questions, the what, so what, now what, right? So uh, asking a lot of questions, what's going on here, what do we see, what, is the, what are the containers, differences, and exchanges, 
um, what um, what what happens when this system does X, you know, that, that sort of thing all in that area, and then the so what questions, which are um, more about uh, making meaning of it. So, you know, so knowing that now we ask pattern questions, given what we're seeing in the pattern question, answers we're getting out of the pattern questions, what implications does that give us? What meaning? What what direction does that push us mm -hmm. in? Um, and then the now what, which is more so, you know, how how do we choose a next step? Now now what will we do, so that we can we can do that cycle over and over again? So many many uh, questions embedded in that right. human systems dynamics work. And you know, it's not just that school of thinking. I right. mean, it, it's right. This whole idea of good leadership yeah. being largely, uh, in part, driven by the ability to ask meaningful and appropriate situ uh, questions in a situation, yeah. um, as opposed to thinking that it's your job to already have the answers. You know, it shows up everywhere. Right. Um, I was looking at a book that a, um, a colleague had recommended called um, The Two R Manager um, by Peter Friedes, F-R-I-E-D-E-S, mm -hmm. who was the former CEO of Hewitt Associates, which I, if I'm not mistaken is the largest um, employee benefits consulting company in the world. Um, so the two R's are when to relate and when to require and how to do both effectively. He has a whole section in there about um, asking questions um, as opposed to, you know, thinking that you have the answers. And he, he uses some nice examples. And um, I was thinking about that the other day when I was coaching someone who's a very young manager, very inexperienced manager. And she means well, but she's pretty... Clueless. Um, <laughs> so she was talking about the fact that there had been a change in the organization, and the the, the roles now are not really clear. And so there's somebody reporting to her who's never reported to her before. And I said to her, "So how are you going to clarify? What's your next step about how you're going to clarify what's her job and her role and your job and your role?" She said, "Well, I'm." You know, I'm going to tell her this. I need her to do this, 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 and this. And I said, okay, um, what do you think she needs from you as her manager? She said, well, I, I don't really know. But I think I know what she would tell me. And then she mm -hmm. started describing that. And I said, what would happen if you asked her? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, ask her? Ask my employee? What do you need from me as your boss? And I could see her clutching and I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, I'm the boss. Aren't I supposed to know? Oh, yeah. And I said, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you're yeah. not supposed to know. Yeah. That's a dialogue that you can have and so we started discussing that but really that was a mind shift for her that it wasn't 
conveying weakness. Yeah. To not know and be able to tell right. her employee, them, but that they could actually have that as an open, right. an open discussion. Well, and that that in itself, I mean, I wasn't part of that conversation, yeah, course, obviously, yeah. but what occurs to me is that that in itself begins to create a certain kind of workplace. So when the manager um, models, I have to know it all, I have to have all the answers, then, then staff people assume they have to know all the answers, and so no one's asking any questions, which means you're shutting down any kind of new ideas coming in, new, you know, learning. new learning, it shuts down innovation, and so I think, you know, in addition to, um, in, in addition to, you know, engaging with uh, people about what kind of workplace they want to create and the only, or where they thrive, and the only way to do that is to ask them about it and then make some observations, but then keep asking. Um, the other thing is that by managers modeling, asking questions, they are also creating a climate for more learning, more innovation, more other kinds of things to happen because, you know, inquiry is what fosters all of that. And I think that's important. And there are questions and there are questions. Yeah, so I was yeah. just going to say how, you know, sometimes when people ask questions, um, it's interpreted as an attack. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is because those kinds of questions come from a place of judgment. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's heard something, they've made a judgment uh, that it's not okay, and then it's, so how come or why? Many questions to start with why, oh, head right. down that road. Head yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So how do people learn to stay in a non-judger kind of mode uh, when they're asking questions and really ask the kinds of questions mm -hmm. that are going to produce the result you're, you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I think of, you know, one of the resources that we have used sometimes when we've been trying to help people with that, um, you'll have to help me remember the author, but uh, her name's yeah. Marilyn something. Mar but Marilee. Marilee? Marilee, okay, and yeah. It's, the book is uh, Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. Mm -hmm. And she does a nice job of describing how people very quickly can go into judger mode. Mm -hmm. And how when we're in judger mode, our mind's already made up, so we're really not taking in any new information. Yeah. We're, we may be asking, but we think we're, we're... It's not that we think, we know. Yeah. We know we know the answer. Yeah. And God knows I've been guilty of that myself. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are certain topics, certain mm, issues that trigger that, right. you know, in me. And I think that's true of everyone. Right. I think there is no one who is free of being a judger sometimes. Yeah. But I think with some awareness, yeah. we can curb that, control that. Right. Work hold, hold our judgment for a while before we jump to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, 
And and it also one of the things I like about that book, the Change Your Questions, Change Your Life book, um, and the the rest of the title is uh, Ten Powerful Tools for Life and Work. The author is uh, Marilee G. Adams. Um, one of the things that I like about that is she's really using questions as a, a stimulus for self-awareness, which is such an important uh, skill for mm -hmm. leaders and managers to mm -hmm. sort of understand uh, their own impact, understand how, you know, how, what their own filters are, things like that. And paying attention to the nature of my own questions really helps me to get a sense of how am I filtering the world. You know, there, there's what um, David Cooperwriter and the Appreciative Inquiry folks talk about, um, you know, we learn in the direction of the questions we ask. Right. So right. what questions we're asking and what, que what questions we are not asking is shutting off whole areas of potential inquiry questions that we do ask. And, of course, we have to make choices. Right, because there's not an you, infinite amount of time yeah, you can't. to ask everything about That's everything. Right. Even if you were interested right. and really wanted yeah. to know, you still have to make choices. Right. And that's one of the things that our colleague Esther Derby has been working on in her work with managers lately is what are some of the questions that managers can ask that um, help them to uh, learn about the work system? and what the work system should be doing and how people are interacting with the work system. And mm -hmm. she's got quite a bit of that on her blog, Insights You, Insights you Can Use, I think mm -hmm. it is. Um, and, and I think that's, the, you know, it is. What, what, what is the direction of your questions? How are you choosing the director of that direction of your questions? What does that say about how you filter the world, how I as a leader filter the world? Um, and that's all very interesting stuff uh, in the well, sense of gaining more awareness. Well, sure. You know, I, I, I think about, I think you know I've been doing a ton of um, Hogan assessment feedbacks recently. Right. And, you know, one of the interesting parts of the Hogan, uh, I mean, it's all interesting, but yeah. um, one of the things that shows up in the Hogan very clearly is um, there are two scales that measure... One's called aesthetics and one's called science. And bottom line, in the end, when you look at those scales, they tell you a lot about how people make decisions. Mm -hmm. And people with high aesthetics make decisions much more, not exclusively, but much more based on a gut sense of it resonates with me, it feels right to me, it looks, smells, you know, right to me. Yeah. And then people with high science, it's the facts and figures. Yeah. So when we were house hunting years ago, I could walk into a house and, I mean, I had no sooner crossed the threshold of the house and I would say, nope, done. Yeah. And my husband would say, what? You haven't even seen the rest of the house. And I'd say, I don't need to. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't speak to me. Well, he would want to go and look at the square footage and if the boiler was good or what. And I would say, 
I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, I had already made up my mind. I, I understand that from his point of view, I was using an inadequate data set. Mm -hmm. But to me, it wasn't about data. Right. So, so I mean, I get that. That is my orientation in the world. And I will approach most situations yeah. that way. And then, you know, data comes along and either sort of supports my well, gut or it doesn't. Right. You know? Well, that's what I was just thinking. In that situation, you walk in and you don't have that, this won't work. Mm -hmm. You say, hmm, this place could do. And then you go start looking at, well, is the boiler adequate and what's the square footage and so on, if you haven't, you know, done that filter ahead of time. Right. But, yeah. Right. But it was yeah. rare when yeah. I, that I walked into a house and just looked that I didn't already know in my gut, no yeah. way. Yeah. No way would this work. But, you know, people like, like that, like me, need to know that it's easy for me to jump to a conclusion, you know, that I really haven't unpacked enough. Mm -hmm. And in a workplace, just being able to say, huh, feels right to me, is not a good explanation for it's why you enough. do what you do. Yeah. So, but on the other hand, people that are, that are looking at things just about the data are really missing a whole nother set of lenses that are equally valuable. Yeah. So, so, you know, it having that more holistic understanding of both the approach you use to um, yeah. to take to asking questions, right. I think is what I'm trying to say, is um, is important because. As you were saying, the kinds of questions you ask uh, are really important. So it would not even occur to me to ask the square footage. Yeah. You know, I want to know about the light and the ambiance and the feel and the wadi wadi, you know. And yet square footage is important. If you've got a house that didn't have enough square footage, however wonderful the ambiance was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I know you, Sharon. <laughs> Maybe. Well, well, and you know, this this is also making me think about um a, another set of questions that um or guides, I guess, to questions that uh we used when we were recently looking for a house and and used in a lot of situations and that is the um Christopher Alexander's nature of order books where he has a whole list of sort of qualities that create goodness in spaces and relationships and so hmm. on and and the, one of the most basic ones is you know if if we go this way is that going to give life or take away life or if we're looking at these two or three choices which one is more sort of life enhancing, which mm -hmm. one is more mm -hmm. life giving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that causes you to think about things in a, in a different way. Well, and, and it brings in a sense of ethics to the questions too. Yeah. I mean, do we want to shut down life here? Or do we want to enhance life here? 
And what what will we do to do one or the other? Of course, that speaks to the appreciative inquiry. I yes. mean, that's an underpinning of that way of looking at the world too. Yeah, is something. Where's like the a, energy? Yeah, yeah. You know, does it does it give energy? Does it you know does it yeah. drain energy? Is it life? Um, Affirming. Affirming, yeah. 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 So yeah. that's very much the language. So, yeah. so I, I'm not familiar with those books, so yeah. can you say a little bit more about well, them? Well, um, yeah. I'm is not, he an architect? Or? He, yes, he is uh-huh. an architect, and he, um, over the past number of years, 30 or 40 years, I guess, has been writing books about architecture. Mm. And uh, he, uh, uh, there's a, he wrote a book called uh, A Pattern Language. He wrote another book called, book called The Timeless Way of Building, way back when. And some of the pattern language, uh, the form for how he wrote his kind of patterns, which are patterns for building, right, right um, are things like any room has more life if it has light coming in from more than one side. Mm-hmm. So light from two sides. Mm-hmm. Right, is a pattern mm-hmm. that is that makes a space feel more comfortable, feel more generative, all that kind of stuff. Well, he's got a, the book is like this thing wow. full of these kinds of patterns, everything from designing cities down to uh, a pattern like different chairs, which is designing a room. People mm-hmm. like to have a choice of what chair they sit in. Um, many people in the software community. Uh, took that idea and began writing uh, patterns for how, uh, writing software code. So building code, mm-hmm. right? Building building applications. Mm-hmm. So that information kind of got into the software world through that door. So so, so how how does so which is how I learned about it? Right. Is what I'm yeah. Right. Yeah. But how. I'm I'm losing you a little bit. Help me understand how you translate windows on two sides to software. Well, you don't. You don't. You don't. It, oh, but okay. but the idea being that in software there are certain patterns you can look for that create goodness. Gotcha. Right. Okay. And so it was the principle. Yeah, it there. was the principle. Gotcha. And, and a lot of people from now probably twenty thirty years have been writing software patterns as well, and. And Linda Rising's book, Fearless Change, is all about patterns of change, what she's seen in organization that are patterns that people follow to do that. So there's a whole group of folks around that. Well, so Christopher Alexander kept writing, and he, uh, in maybe four or five years ago, published um, a set of three volumes called The Nature of Order where he takes some of what he had learned and some of his new knowledge and expands it out even more. They're pretty dense books. <laughs> um, and The kind that when you can't sleep at night, they yeah. really be helpful. <laughs> it could be really helpful. But there are also, there's also a lot of interesting uh-huh. things in there. And, um, and one of them is this list of sort of 15 qualities that you look for mm. that you which are sort of patterns in the built environment but also work as meta, metaphorically for patterns in other kinds of environments like there's one called um have a strong center 
mm-hmm. right? Well, in a room, you know, the strong center might be the fireplace or, you know, a certain arrangement of art that just draws people to mm-hmm. it and really, you know, creates that sense of core, core and, mm-hmm. and, you know, people can circle around and, you know, feel, you know, point a tractor, possibly mm-hmm. in HSD terms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and... And so, you know, it works in a room, but also a team, you know, needs a strong center, whether it's a physical thing. And I think of a purpose, like mm-hmm. when we're doing liftoff, asking right. those questions about right. what, asking those questions, right, right, about what is our vision for the future? What is our mission? What's our contribution so there's to that? A, so there's so a there's core. That, there is that mm-hmm. core that people, that serves as that point attractor. And he's, there's a whole list of 15 that has... Mm-hmm. Um, that we're not going to go into right now. But it's really interesting. It's an interesting conversation to have, to look at those 15 and compare them to whatever situation you're in and ask the question, do we have, do we have these elements going on in this situation? Which, and, which are present, right. which are not. You don't need all of them. Which are present, right. which are not present. But the primary one, the very first one, is does it is does it give life? Is yeah. it, is it, yeah. there's a question around wholeness? Yeah, you know, it is is this does this feel whole, right? And even if it's there, if it's not there strongly enough, then yeah. you can go to the fanning the flames kind of thing. Exactly. But you got to know, yeah. Right. So well, and fanning the flames actually, I think um, we've talked about that out of Jervis books book the you know tracking and fanning looking for what you what you want to see people doing and then fanning that one of the very best ways to fan is to ask questions right it's because attaboys are near not nearly as effective as inquiry right and right? people pay tell me more about what you're doing here this looks really interesting right. and we know that change begins to occur from the moment the question is asked that's right because just drawing attention by by the nature of the question makes a difference we begin learning about it right. and it makes a difference yeah oh yeah. wow wow okay. yeah <laughs> I, don't re- I can't even remember where we started now but that was kind of an interesting yeah. little trip yeah and um and i yeah i think i think this the recursiveness of an inquiry about questions you know <laughs> Questioning about questions. Yeah, it's really fun, but and but very powerful and yeah. and interesting. And of course, you know, we got we got the treat this time of having my granddaughter in the background doing a little bit of helping with her questions, and she is full of them. Right, she is just full of questions because she is, is learning, is learning, and deep, deep learning. And you know, two and a half, three years old. That's what well, that's all about. Right, exactly. So um, so it's fun to have her around from time to time, too. So I wonder what kinds of questions our, um, our listeners ask. So listeners, please, um, in our comments or whatever, tell us what questions have been particularly powerful for you. What questions have you asked that have made a difference in your life? What questions have someone else asked you that made a difference? Um, what questions do you ask yourself? What kind of questions do you ask others that, that really stimulate learning where you are? And I would be interested if people have other kinds of resources 
that they have found useful yeah. as a way to think about this whole notion of improving the ability yeah. to ask good right. questions. Um, let us know. We'll mention it. And, yeah. and you know, that's a way of sharing your knowledge with other people. So we'd be real interested in that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Please leave your comments on our blog or email us leadershippodcast at gmail.com. This has been episode two of season three of Partnerships and Impossibilities. Thanks for listening.